Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm Dr. David, the Cutting Edge Doc. I'll be your host for today. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in-depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting-edge work in the areas of healing, spirituality, and social transformation. And my guest today is Carol Look. Carol is an EFT, also known as Emotional Freedom Technique, Master Practitioner and Master Trainer. I've known Carol for years, and she is completely my go-to person and resource when it comes to EFT. She has a great website at www.carollook.com. That's C-A-R-O-L-L-O-O-K.com. And as you'll see from this interview, she is a master at what she does. We begin the interview by talking about EFT, and then we go into an actual EFT session where I become the guinea pig so that you actually can get a real taste of the power of EFT and the power of Carol's work. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the amazing Carol look. Hi, friends. Dr. David here, the Cutting Edge Doc. And I'm here with my uh, friend and colleague in the healing arts, Carol Look. And I've been really looking forward to this conversation with Carol. Carol is a master practitioner and trainer in a healing art called Emotional Freedom Technique, or sometimes called EFT. And uh, I use EFT in my healing practice, my private practice as a holistic doctor, and uh, I've been exposed to a lot of material and people that do MFT, and uh, I think it has great promise, but I think many times EFT is uh, a potential power, especially the transformative power of EFT is not harnessed or accessed because the consciousness of the person using EFT isn't quite there. And one of the things I love about Carol's work is I really get the sense that she's using EFT in service to transformation. And also she has a gift for making, teaching, and sharing EFT very simple. And that's a wonderful combination. So my purpose in this conversation is to give you an opportunity to really get to know Carol, to really get to know EFT, and if you find that you would like to know more about EFT and Carol's work to make sure that you have easy access to those resources. So, Carol, welcome to the conversation. Hi, David. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Yeah, it's really great. You know, thanks to the wonders of technology, I'm sitting here in my home in San Jose, California, and Carol lives in New York City. So it's great that we have this opportunity. So let's start at the beginning for people that are not familiar with EFT or any kind of tapping work and who are not familiar with you. Let me turn it over to you and we can just start with the basics. If you'd like to share anything about yourself and also just define for the listeners what 
is EFT and what in the right hands can EFT do to to serve people? Sure. Well, I started as a traditional psychotherapist, and then I got a doctoral degree in hypnosis, and it was all for the purpose of finding out more about our brain and our mind and how it works. And someone from my hypnosis class said, if you think that's fun, you have to try this new strange technique called EFT. I didn't know what they were talking about. So I took my first class, and the rest is history as far as that's concerned with my work. But EFT, emotional freedom techniques, it's a technique that borrows all the traditional Chinese medicine theories and uh, work about the meridian system. So everybody's body has a meridian system. I call it a circuitry of, you know, more like highways that carry electricity and energy through the body and to and from the organs to each other. And the theory is, if you have any symptoms, fear, cravings, phobias, uh, anything like that, it means that something's gone awry in this meridian system, in the circuitry. Something's not clean and clear. There's, a, there's gridlock somewhere. And what we do is we combine tapping on the meridian points instead of using needles. So an acupuncturist, a traditional Chinese medicine doctor would use acupuncture. We skip the needles and we do a slight percussive movement with our fingertips on the primary points, the, what we call the end points of the meridians. So we're tapping on our face and our body. And while we're tapping, we are bringing up emotions that need to be healed. And what appears to happen, they've been doing a lot more research recently, what seems to happen is that, you know, when if I say to you, David, let's talk about a very stressful event and let's clear it for you, you would have to think about that stressful event. And in that, thinking about it, it would open up that file in your brain and you would go into the fight or flight response. Naturally, you, you would have to because it's an upsetting event. While you are in the fight or flight response in your brain, we do the tapping which seems to calm it down and extinguish that fight or flight response. So the next time you think about the stressful event, the car accident, you know, being fired, something that happened, you no longer have the same reaction. And when you no longer have that adrenaline rush and that fight or flight reaction, you are then able to access resources in your mind, in your brain, in your consciousness that weren't available to you before because of the stress. So we've used it. The most extreme is I've used it. I was in a uh, part of a pilot project with veterans. So people who had post-traumatic stress and just the most severe PTSD you could imagine. And we did that and it was very, very successful. And then all, all the way up to people who are working with daily stress, the kids and the, and the spouse and the commute to work and, you know, that they're not handling it well and they need to calm themselves down. They need to be more present and everything in between. So relationship issues, um, I'm known for my work with abundance, success and abundance issues, limiting beliefs, phobias, cravings for drugs, alcohol, or food. It's a great weight loss technique. So you can use it on darn near everything because what we're getting to is the base, the root causes in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the body and mind. The root causes are in your energy system. The energy system comes before everything. So there are a lot of people who do a lot of left brain work where, you know, they try to set goals and they try to do a vision board and they do all this stuff and that's great, but it's based on your left brain. 
And if we don't get to the right brain into the entire mindset and get to the electricity in the body, then we actually can't heal something permanently. So if that's enough information, that's sort of the how it works is tapping on the acupuncture points while we're focused on an issue and then leading someone to health and healing by extinguishing this, this fight or flight response when they think of the upsetting event or upsetting person. You know, that's helpful. And I'd like to dive into it a little more deeply because I think your description is part of the story. But as I was hinting at at the beginning of our conversation, you know, there's EFT and there's EFT and there's EFT. It depends on the consciousness and the level of mastery of the practitioner. And I think part of it is part of the secret sauce is what you've described, uh, you know, activating the stressful event while one is tapping. And it definitely brings that up on the mat. But I think one of the things about your work that I really like is, and I'd like you to speak to this, is that there are other components as well. I mean, it seems like once the traumatic moment is brought more to the surface and the tapping is happening and the pattern is getting interrupted energetically, it seems like there's a lot that you do with the choice of words that you use and the and the sequence of them in such a way that not only is the original trauma being activated and not only are people tapping, but somehow you're able to, with your energy and your voice, you're able to presence new possibilities for people that actually cause their consciousness to begin to doubt the absolute truth of a lot of these early emotional learnings. And that's what really interests me about your work, because I'm really interested in the breakthroughs that are occurring in our understanding of uh, memory reconsolidation at the brain level and the application of that for healing and counseling and coaching. And could you speak a little bit to this issue and your work and how you use EFT in this context to not only bring up the stressful moment, not only tap and interrupt the pattern, but also kind of juxtapose the old learning with some new learnings in a way where it clicks at a really deep level for the client. Sure. Well, I think the first way to describe it is to remember that the basics of EFT, the tapping on the acupuncture points, is a mechanical process, and we can teach it to our children and nieces and nephews. It's, it's absolutely very simplistic. Then when someone gets a bit more practice and experience, they start letting go of the mechanics and they get a, more, get a little more loose and use their emotions and what they might think is going on, but they still cannot leave the primary point, which is making a connection with the person. So when I train early coaches and practitioners, you know, they want to run in there and do the tapping before they've even talked to the client. And an important piece is connecting head, heart, and gut connecting with the client so deeply that they think you've understood them in a way that no one else has. So the listening and the rapport building is critical. So then you go from mechanical to more emotional. And I think there's a spiritual version of EFT that, again, allows my consciousness and my experiences, 
my having worked on profound traumas and worked on incredible things in my life so that there are place there are very few places I can't go or I won't go when after you've worked with veterans from four different wars on PTSD I heard things I wish I hadn't heard I heard things that we never heard on the news I heard trauma and suffering and stories that were debilitating to me I had to go tap on myself every night after the after the uh, the workshop you know and then my own adult traumas I had more adult trauma than child trauma and working on those it opens you up in a way so I combined that with 25 years of being a psychotherapist so I get patterns I hear patterns and EFT itself has helped me open up my spiritual dimension my sixth sense my ability to hear feel and see on a different level that I, I can't help that anymore you know I used to kind of deny it and people would say wow you're doing a lot of stuff besides tapping on the person and I don't physically tap on them I teach them how to tap but there is something to do with, I, I agree, the consciousness. How far has the clinician gone in their own life? How many feelings are they willing to look at? How many places have they not gone to? And that opens you up so that the client feels more safe, more open, and frankly lets everything come out. They're not then defended against, don't go hurt, betrayal, guilt, anger. And again, it, it took years of my working on myself and going through a lot myself to be able to, I would say, David, hold the space, hold the space at such a level. And you see that in the difference between beginning practitioners and ones who've been in the field for a while, just being able to hold the space for people to be where they are, to feel their feelings and not rush to say, oh, this is a tool to get rid of them. There are people who think, oh, this is how you get rid of feelings. No, it's not how we get rid of feelings. It's how we reprocess a traumatic event. And then when the person's upset or stress or their level of, of distress is down low enough and they think about the event and they say, wow, that doesn't really bother me in the same way. What are we doing? You know, what's going on? Then you can actually introduce positive statements, other possibilities, suggestions, how would they like to be? What are they grateful for? But it's important to remember the first 15 years of all tapping, whether when it was called thought field therapy and EFT uh, way back in the 80s and 90s, no one did any suggestions or any inserting of positive statements. No one did it. And they still got tremendous results. So, you know, then we started moving into short and things about, well, what if it could work out the way I want? You know, we start moving into a more expansive view of what life could be like after such limitation. Right, right. But I don't think it's as simple as just substituting negative ideas with positive ideas. I think there's there's something transformative going on in your work. It's not just overlaying yes. a positive. I think there's some way that Never. you are being with people that is allowing something more profound to happen than just like uh, the, extin the extinction of a conditioned response. I think there's actually some kind of voidance where the actual 
where the actual uh, emotional learning actually disappears, even though there's still autobiographical memory. I don't think that mm -hmm. I don't think this can be uh, powerfully explained just by uh, substitution. No, it never it, it never is, except for the mechanical EFT. There are substitutions. That's what people do. But no, I, I agree. It's not. It can't be that simple because as someone is transforming, transmuting, you know, releasing a trauma that has been stuck on a cellular level, all their cells change right in front of you. Their emotions change, their energy changes, their physiology changes. You can see it in their face right in front of you. Then there are opportunities to have them talk about what they want, gratitude, what it would be like, what if it wasn't their fault. So it takes the transformation first. I, I totally agree. It is never as simple as replacing the negative with a positive. How do you train people that are interested in, uh, in becoming EFT practitioners? Well, I do it through a coaching program where the first four months they're required to work on themselves. And I say, I don't care if you want to go to level two and three and become a coach. You have to work on your own issues and be the client who are going to train, who, who are working with them for four months. Then I say, now, if you want to become an EFT coach, now we, have, now we go into more of the business aspects and the, the rapport aspects and the boundaries and all of that. So I train them by training, by having them work on themselves on a very, very deep level first. Then we do case supervision. We talk about the basics of rapport and, and boundaries and all of that and really keep going back to what in you might be blocking you from becoming a better clinician. What are you afraid of? Where do you not go? What kinds of clients are you not feeling close to, feeling loving? You know, when, when are you too judgmental and you end up not helping a client? Maybe it's too much like your story. Maybe it's not a story that, that rings any bells. So there's a lot of looking at the practitioners is when I, I do mentoring groups as well. And it's, when we talk about cases, it's like what got in your way to be a hundred percent clean and clear as a vessel and as being able to hold space for the client. How did, why did you jump in too quickly? Why did you suggest that? Why are you, you know, leading the client towards a solution that it's not, not one, you know, it's a very basic stuff that happens with all clinicians trying to help too much is a big job that they are they are a coach and nothing else they are the coach they are there to witness they are there to guide them and it's the client's ultimate responsibility and decision where they want to go so it you know we run into some interesting interesting blocks and interesting yes buts in that process but i love it now in terms of your own personal and spiritual development, either before you got to MFT or, or along the EFT lines or along the same time, have there been any particular mentors for you that, have, that really stand out as shaping who you are and where you come from as a, as a server? Well, I would say I've taken things from people from all sorts of fields, but Gary Craig, the founder, <coughs> the, 
The founder of EFT was my, one of my original trainers. Fred Gallo was the first one. So he was trained by uh, Roger Callahan, who did the thought field therapy. And then I trained with Gary himself. So to be, to be trained by the guy who started the whole movement and who was willing to move forward and willing to change things, that was pretty exciting. And to work with you know, so many people with him who were willing to just open the conversation. Is this still the right way to do it? Do we have other options? So that was profound in my life to have that opportunity. And then he trained me as an EFT master, uh, that one of the first classes of masters. So that was, that was pretty exciting. But along the way, you know, I read a lot. I train with a lot of people. I've done a lot of techniques and I keep coming back to EFT, which is interesting. There are so many tools and techniques out there and I keep coming back to EFT and I think that's that's important I've been trained in you know lots of lots of different methods to help you change and move forward and I I keep coming back to what works for me I, I say to people it's the best tool in my hands I'm not saying it's the best tool but it's certainly the best tool in my hands right I understand that I, I, my question was actually more toward not so much your training formally in EFT, but just in terms of what else you bring to the table in terms of your compassion, your intuition, your spiritual development. I was just wondering if you had any other strong influences, strong mentors outside of the formal EFT training that you've had. I probably would say the best training I got was in communication skills and listening learning how to listen on such a deep level that the client feels heard in a way and then can drop the defenses. And that was through uh, a group I was a part of for almost 20 years uh, after grad school. Uh, that was very, very special for me. Spiritually, I've been all over the place, studied many things. I've, I've also been a Qigong, not a practitioner, but a, a Qigong. I use Qigong in my life. Um, as I say, prayer and gratitude and you know explored a lot of that i don't have specific mentors it's more i go towards a field not so much a mentor okay great i was hearing a little buzzing sound in the back there is that something that's actually going on in the background or was that our, a connection thing no that is the drilling they're doing on the building apparently they're back from lunch hour okay Great. I just didn't know if it was something we could handle or not. Okay, so we'll just... I know. If it's too if it's too bad, we can... Uh, we'll just have to reschedule during a lunch hour. There's absolutely nothing I can do about the... It's a New York City project. Okay, no, we'll just expand to include it. <laughs> <laughs> good. There's a good attitude. <laughs> so um, would you be willing to use me as a guinea pig to actually take me through some EFT work here so that the listener can actually get a taste of it? Oh, I'd love to, if you're willing. Okay. If you're willing, I would love to. Okay, so let me put you in your hand, let me put myself in your hands and we can go through a EFT uh, uh, cycle. And, and then what we can do is in the show notes, we can put in a chart so that the listeners know when I'm tapping on certain points, they have a, a, a visual representation of where I'm tapping. Perfect. Perfect. 
Uh, okay, so here's how we start, everyone. We, uh, David, what would you like to work on? What is something that's concerning you, bothering you, in your way of expansion that you'd like to work on? Okay, so one of the things that's happening in my life now, and I think it probably has a lot to do with the podcast and a few other things, is that I'm getting pretty well known around the world, uh, much more visible than I have been in this lifetime in the past. And there's a part of me that loves that, that just, you know, thinks it's wonderful that I can impact more people and um, have more fun and all of that. And then there's this other part of me that is not thrilled about the increased levels of visibility and um, has different fears around that. Uh, everything from higher stress levels to physical safety issues for myself and my family and um, other fears. And so I'd love you to help me so that when I'm being with this expansion phase that I'm in, that all parts of me are really at peace and excited and really feel good about that and enjoying that. Great. Well, you've answered some of the main questions. Some people are not aware of the fears, right, of the other parts of themselves. So as you're saying, a part of me loves the visibility and another part is scared of it. You know, there's a higher stress level, maybe a safety issue for your family. So what happens is usually someone comes in with sabotage behavior and they say, I'm sabotaging myself and I don't know why. And I'll ask them some questions and they find out that, oh, I'm worried about being visible. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm handling it on a more subtle level, but I, yeah. I don't feel like I'm acting out a lot. But it does affect my energy flow and my well-being. And I definitely think that I could take it to another level, both in terms of my enjoyment and also in terms of my effectiveness, in terms of being open to the opportunities that are presenting themselves. So, you know, maybe this is a good example for the listener about how EFT can be used if somebody's already in pretty good shape, but they're just into peak performance. You don't have to feel like there's anything wrong with you. Right, and there isn't. But what you want to look at is there anything in you, David, that you see yourself putting a lid on it, not doing your best because of these fears? Is there anything that you could point to? No, I feel like I do, in terms of my willingness, I feel like I am committed and I do show up every day and do do my best, but I just feel like there's an underlying stress level and an underlying angst and a... And a uh, sometimes instead of it just being completely joyous, it feels like a little bit of a mixed bag. And um, I would like that to, to not be there. Sure. Okay. So the question then is, so you don't think you're putting a lid on it in any way. Where do you feel it in your body? Then we go to the body. Where do you feel the stress level um, in your body? I would say my solar plexus area. Okay. And when you think about it now, when you think about the quote visibility, because that's really our target, the visibility is what's triggering this. Right. 
So when you think about, oh, the visibility, I'm really getting out there, and you feel it in your solar plexus, mm -hmm. on the 0 to 10-point scale, how high is the stress or the angst that you feel? Well, I, I don't know what would be a 10. I don't know. I, I don't know. What, I don't know what the reference range is here. So ten feels so bad you can't tolerate it, oh. and zero is what are you talking about? There's no stress. I love this. I'm excited about visibility. So where in there? How high is the distress? I would say between like around three to four. Okay, so not very high. It's still bothersome. It's still you're noticing it. It's still there. It's not joyful. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Now, at a three or a four, I would bet that actually there is something you're doing to put a lid on it. Okay. It could be something that I don't know about. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, just because if we're if we're afraid or stressed out, even at that low level, it's like, yeah, we're not going to be a hundred percent ourselves. Okay. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it do if it doesn't come out. <clears throat> so we're going to try to reduce the level of stress and fear, and everybody, if you have your own version of I'm afraid to stand out, I don't like the visibility, I feel afraid that something's going to happen. If you have anything around visibility and afraid to shine, that's what we're really talking about is the fear of shining, then I'd like you to think about it, measure it in your body, measure how tight you feel, and then get your own number, 0 to 10, with 10 being, oh my gosh, I hate how this feels, and then we'll tap on it all together and see where it goes and see what happens. So the tapping isn't just to reduce the numbers, and your number's not very high. Usually we have someone who's at a 7 or an 8. Uh, the tapping isn't just to reduce the number. It's also to come up with information because often the person, while they're reducing the stress level, they say, hey, I've just had an insight. Or, hey, I never saw it this way, and things start to move. That's part of the transformation. Right, right. If that makes sense. So you're going to put the chart up. So I'm going to narrate the points for you. So everybody tap along with David, please. Okay. And David, the first point, I will narrate, uh, describe them to you. Their first point, as I know you know, is called the karate chop point. So it's on your left hand or your right hand. You have two of them and it's wherever. If you've ever seen a karate master chop a block in half on television, that's right where he does it. The karate chop point, it's below the base of your pinky and above your uh, wrist. So right in there. And we take fingertips of the other hand. So I'm right-handed, David, so I always use the fingertips of my right hand. And I tap on the karate chop point that is located on my left hand. I'm doing it now. Great. And when you're there, what we do is we say a very simple statement two or three times. The statement says, even though I have this problem, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm doing the best I can. And the purpose spiritually, electrically, emotionally, energetically, is to stop the resistance. Is just to say, I am doing the best I can. Yes, this is a problem, and I acknowledge it. And it's a very important uh, place. It's a very important part of the treatment where we reduce resistance in the body, mind, and spirit, and then we go on to tap on acupuncture, the acupuncture points, and we name the problem. So if we named the problem really succinctly for you, David, David, would you say the stress of my new visibility? Would you say I'm afraid to stand out? There's so many ways we can say it. What really speaks to you? Well, you know, it's interesting. When you talked about earlier saying it's really an issue of, 
of not being willing to shine. The thought I had was, hey, I don't have any problems shining, but other people do have a problem with me shining. Right. That's the thought that came up. Yes, which means you have a problem shining because if you shine and you get hurt by them, you're the one who's going to put the lid on it. Right. Right. And I have memories from other times and places that come up around this. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you a couple other questions before we start tapping. Say out loud, it's not safe to shine. Is this while I'm tapping the karate chop point? No, no, no tapping okay. yet. Just say this out loud. It doesn't feel safe to shine. It's not safe to shine. It doesn't feel safe to shine. Zero to 10, how high is that? How true does that feel to you? Like seven and a half, eight. Okay, so now we're really on it. The three, four was not really what we needed to work on. This is what's really going on. Uh, the next thing I want you to say out loud that we're going to test is, I remember what they did last time when I was shining. I remember what they did last time when I was shining. And what do you num what do you get on that, zero to 10? High, like that's true. And how high? Like it's 10, it's true. 10, okay. Now, so this is what's getting in your way. It's showing up in your solar plexus as a three, four dull ache or, you know, just a feeling of not feeling joyful. These are the things we need to clear. It's not safe. That's a belief. It's not safe to shine. And the because for you is really, I remember what they did last time. And that's a 10 for you. Right. So that I'd be treating that as a tiny, you know, a trauma with a little T. Right. And you don't even have to tell us the information. Okay. So now we have the memory of an event. So when you choose a topic for, for tapping, it can be an emotion. It can be a symptom. Some, somebody could have the beginnings of a migraine headache and we can start tapping on that. It can be a belief. The belief is it's not safe to shine or it could be the memory of an event. I think, now, of course, emotions are involved in all four of these possibilities. I think it's important for us to clarify uh, that we are not claiming like, in, like, for example, if someone's chief challenge was a migraine headache, we're not claiming that EFT is going to diagnose or treat the migraine. No, we never diagnose and treat. Um, I say to people, if you're willing to uh, join me in understanding that emotions can contribute to the beginning, middle and end of physical diagnoses, then then we can work on it. But I I'm not working as a medicine, as a medical doctor. Okay, well, with that, with that uh, <laughs> caveat, let's continue. All right. So two primary things are coming out of this, David, that it's not safe to shine was a seven and a half to eight, very, very high. And then your memory of the old thing that happened the last time you were shining, somebody did something, somebody hurt you. Yeah, and you had started out by saying, I don't really have a problem with my shining, but somebody else does, right? right? So a colleague, a friend, or a family member has hurt you as a result of your success, which then makes us not want to succeed again. It makes us pull it in. It makes yeah. us just not want to go there. Does that make sense? Right. So I, I'm coming to you like with my, with my thinking mind, knowing all this, but knowing that in my emotional learning, it's not cleared out. Carol? Carol, I'm... Right. Yeah. Well, it's not cleared up, and we got that by you saying eight and a ten. Right. Yes. Right. 
Uh-huh. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Right. So we so so someone will talk about it as a story and intellectualize it. And then suddenly, well, what does it feel? And they say eight. It's like eight on the scale of zero to ten. That is suffering. That's really tough. Right. Right. So now we're going to go to the actual tapping. So I want you to tap on your karate chop point that I had described before. OK, I am. All right. And follow along with me. I'm going to say the basic, the, for all tapping techniques that are out there, this is the basic statement we say, a version of it. So start tapping there and say, even though I'm convinced it's not safe to shine. Even though I'm convinced it's not safe to shine. I deeply and completely love and accept myself anyway. I deeply and completely love and accept myself anyway. Again, even though I'm convinced it's not safe to shine. Even though I'm convinced it's not safe to shine. I, I deeply and completely love and accept myself anyway. I deeply and completely love and accept myself anyway. Third time. Even though I learned that it's not safe to shine. Even though I learned that it's not safe to shine. Because of what happened last time. Because of what happened last time. I choose to accept all my feelings and my reactions. I choose to accept all my feelings and all my reactions. Good. So that's called the setup. We tap on the karate chop point. We say it one, two, or three times. And it's really a way to, to really get into the heart of the problem. So I use both things that you had brought up. Now we start tapping on the actual acupuncture points. And the first one is above the nose to the side, the left or right, the beginning of your eyebrow. Don't go all the way up into your third eye. That's too high. It's actually the beginning of the hair of your eyebrow above your nose. Got so it. left or right. Got it. So you tap right there. And now what we're doing, we've brought up the file. We've opened up the memory of the file. And what we're doing now is just naming it. We just keep talking about it and take the edge off. So tap on your eyebrow point and say, it's not safe to shine. It's not safe to shine. And then we go to the outside of the eye, left or right. There's a little corner there, the bones. Don't go all the way back into your temple or your hairline. Just tap on the corner of your eye. I'm convinced it's not safe to shine. I'm convinced it's not safe to shine. Then move under the eye. There's also a bone. We call it the bony orbit right under your left or right eye. Tap very lightly there. I know it's not safe to shine. I know it's not safe to shine. So this is part of the validation process. Then under the nose, right? Tap on your uh, upper lip under your nose. Don't you remember what happened last time? Don't you remember what happened last time? Then the next point is called the chin point above your chin, below your lower lip. Tap right in the crease there. It doesn't feel safe to shine again. It doesn't feel safe to shine again. The next point is called the collarbone point. And you tap right, if you tap where the knot of a man's tie would fall, if you tap with your hand in an outstretched palm, I know you're covering both of these uh, points there. You have one on your left and right, but it's hard to explain. So just tap right there with an, with an outstretched palm. And just, we're saying it again, it's not safe to shine. It's not safe to shine. It hasn't been before. It hasn't been before. The next point is about four inches below your armpit, <clears throat> right in your ribs, either the left side or the right side. Might be a little tender for some people there. Just tap right there. Oh, I'm so afraid it's going to happen again. Oh, I'm so afraid it's going to happen again. And then we end on the top of the head 
and say, I'm so afraid it's going to happen again. I'm so afraid it's going to happen again. Good. And then you take a deep breath through your nose and out your mouth. When that just continues to move the energy along. And that's as short and as simple as a round as you can get. And what we're doing is we're continuing to talk about this issue while we are tapping on the stress relief points, while we are lowering the charge. It does not change what happened in the past that someone hurt you or criticized you or did something while you were shining, right? It's, it's taking the edge off the charge so that you start to understand that, sure, they did what they did, but that doesn't mean I don't want to shine now. You know, you, you start to have cognitive shifts as far as that goes. So there's no right or wrong answer, David. Just tell me, we'll go to the first one. It's not safe to shine. How does that feel? It's not Zero safe to, to shine. Where does that land? Like a five, like I'm, like I'm going, I'm not sure. Okay. So from an eight to a five is a big leap, a big jump. And now we're going to go to the second thing we're measuring, which is I remember what they did last time. And that was a 10. The pain of that, the stress of that was a 10. How does that feel? I remember what they did last time. I remember what they did last time. Like a six. A six. Okay. So 10 to a six, it does not change what they did or said. It means it's just not taking up so much energy in my consciousness anymore. It's still true. It still happened. But am I really going to let it affect me? So you've gone from an eight to a five on the top one. It's not safe to shine. It's my conviction or belief and a 10 to a six on the memory of what actually happened. Okay. So then David, we just do it again because we want to get those numbers down even further. Is that okay? Sure. So go back to the karate chop point. I'll change the language a little bit just to kind of follow my emotion and my consciousness and how I feel with you right now. And you can change the words if you want. Okay. So we'll go to the karate chop point, even though it still doesn't feel totally safe to shine. Even though it still doesn't feel totally safe to shine. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Even though I still don't feel totally safe standing out and shining. Even though I don't feel totally safe standing out and shining. Visibility got me in trouble last time. I mean, visibility got me in trouble in the past. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Eyebrow point. It still doesn't feel safe to shine. It still doesn't feel, feel totally safe to shine. Side of the eye. I remember what happened last time. I remember what happened in the past. Under the eye. And <clears throat> I'm afraid of triggering that again. And I'm afraid of triggering that again. Under the nose. No wonder I feel stressed out about visibility. No wonder I feel so stressed out about visibility. Chin. No wonder I feel it in my solar plexus. No wonder I feel it in my solar plexus. <clears throat> Collar, collarbone. A part of me isn't thrilled with the visibility. A part of me isn't thrilled with visibility under the arm. I'm afraid something negative could happen. I'm afraid something negative could happen to myself or my loved ones. Top of the head. And I still carry this fear from the memory. And I'm still carrying this fear from the memory. Good. Take a deep breath again. 
in through the nose, out through the mouth. And that just helps the energy move through. So we're acknowledging, validating, honoring the feelings and what truly happened and why this would be an issue for you. See, David, so many people are sort of concerned about fear of failure and the fear of success is a very overlooked challenge in our in our lives. It, it, so many people have it, but they've been taught it's all about fear of failure, but it's not. So there's no right or wrong. The first one, it's not safe to shine. You were an eight, went to a five. How does that feel now? It's not, how much distress does that cause you? It's not safe to shine. It's not safe to shine. I would say it's down to like a two and a half. Like I had the thought, well, maybe it is safe mm. to shine. Nice. So that transformation is starting, is really moving. And let's go to the memory of what they did in the past when you were shining, the memories you have. That was a 10, went to a six. So it doesn't change anything. It change what happened. It just changes your reaction to it now. Was there a phrase associated with that? I remember what they did last time. I remember what they did last time. Yeah, it's like a three. It's like, it's like, yeah, I do remember, but uh, so what? Like, or yeah, right. but, but that was in the past. Great. So the charge has gone from a 10 all the way down to a three. <clears throat> Here's why this is important to track the numbers and just know where you are. At a 10, you will not shine. At an eight on it's not safe to shine, you will, you will sabotage yourself in some way that you may not be kind. Uh, safe as a human being safety is already right right safety we must feel safe so now that you've gone from an eight to a five to a 2.5 safety is not the issue anymore and gone from a 10 to a six to a three what they did in the past in quotes yeah they did it and that's their problem and you know they might do it again it doesn't have the same charge so it's not going to limit you in the same way right right? So those are two very quick, easy rounds. We had to describe the points. When it's down low enough, when the stress and the fear is down low enough, that's when I tend to go to more positive statements. And if they don't land with the person, the person just says, no, <laughs> no, I, that doesn't feel true to me. And that's fine. So some, not everybody loves to do the positive statements. Would you like me to do a round to see if there's anything we can uh, work, work on that's positive? I do, but I have a question. Yes. Uh, if someone isn't letting that in or it doesn't feel good to them, do you just stop or do you reassess and maybe come up with a opening statement that is a little more uh, bite-sizable? Usually it's about bite-sizable, but remember, if someone's rejecting a positive statement, that's brilliant information from them. They're telling you, don't, don't suggest this is going to work out fine, Carol. Don't be silly. It didn't work. You know, then you see what's still in their system as far as fear. Right. So it's, it's really important to look at the information. What do you mean? What happened? Did the number go back up when I said, oh, even though they did something last time, I feel safe to shine. I don't No, Don't, don't push me too far is what they're saying. And then you would take it into a bite-sized piece or something more manageable. But again, always ask for information from the client right always get the client's input there so we're gonna i'm gonna 
play around with some of the wording and the tapping and see what happens. And you please give me feedback. If you like, nah, that doesn't feel right or accurate, or I can't get my hands around that, let me know. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so we'll go back to the karate chop. Even though I've had this shining and safety issue. Even though I've had this shining and safety issue for a long, long, long mm -hmm. time. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. I deeply and profoundly love and accept myself. Even though I've had a safety issue around visibility for a long, long time. Even though I've had a safety issue around visibility for a long, long time. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Even though I hadn't been able to heal these old traumas for a long time. Even though I haven't been able to completely heal these traumas for a long, long time. I can feel them leaving my body-mind right now. I can feel them leaving my body-mind right now. So there's an example of where someone might say, not so fast, right? It depends on how safe they feel now. Are you okay with what we're saying? I'm good. I'm in the flow. Good. Eyebrow point. What if it is safe to shine? Gee, what if it is safe to shine? Side of the eye. I'm an adult now and I can do whatever I want. I'm an adult now and I'm free to choose to do what I want. Under the eye. Other people might have problems with my success. Other people might have problems with my success. Under the nose. But that has to do with them, not me. But that has to do with them, not me. Shin, what if I could feel excited to shine? What if I could feel excited to shine? Collarbone, what if my solar plexus felt great about visibility? What if my solar plexus felt great about visibility? Under the arm, I feel so much calmer about shining. I feel so much calmer about shining. Top of the head, I choose to feel safe shining in my life right now. I feel, uh, what was that? I choose to feel safe about shining in my life right now. I choose to feel safe about shining in my life right now. Good. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Good. Anything happen as a reaction inside of you? And by the way, I'm very grateful you're doing such a real example. It's a lot of fun when we have a real example. Um, yeah. Anything going on? Any yes buts? Any uh, not so fast? Any mm, you've gone too far? Yeah, there was one point where I had a really strong yes but. I think it was when you were talking about, you know, if other people had a problem with, with my shining, you know, basically that it wasn't a big deal. And then... I had a thought, well, what about governments? Mm. And what about them? And it went back to a safety issue about my family. Can you say a little bit without only revealing what you want to reveal? Like, like we're living in a time now in the United States where there seems to be a lot of violent persecution of holistic doctors, people that are doing mm. alternative things designed to empower human beings. And that's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So then we take that as the next tappable issue. I don't feel the need to go back to the karate chop right now. Go right back to the eyebrow. Okay. What about governments? What about governments? Side of that, what if they try to shut me down? What if they try to shut me down? Under the eye, what if I'm too popular? What if I'm too popular? Under the nose, what if I'm too successful? What if I'm too successful? Chin, will they come after me? Will they come after me and my family? Collarbone, just because I'm helping others. Just because I'm helping others and empowering them. Under the arm, I can feel that fear. I can feel that fear. Top of that, I can feel it in my body and mind. I can feel it in my body and mind. Eyebrow, what about governments? What about governments? Side of the eye, what about government agencies? What about government agencies? Under the eye, you know they're jealous. You know they want to control. Under the nose, and I'm helping so many people get empowered. And I'm helping more and more people wake up. Chin point, what about them? What's the them? Governments, what about them? What about them? Collarbone, what if I choose to feel safe in my own world? What if I could choose or what if I choose to feel safe in my own world? Under the arm. I love feeling safe about standing out. I love feeling safe about standing out. Top of the head. And I'm not going to provoke any government agencies. And I'm not going to provoke any any government agencies. I have no desire to do that. Good. Take a deep breath. So we're, we're not saying, don't be silly, don't worry about the government. We're saying, whoa, you know, and then kind of dealing with it. Okay, so what if there is such a thing as provoking? There is such a thing as going too far. There is such, you know, there is just, you know, there are solutions everywhere. Are you really likely to be shut down because you're empowering people with this information? No, not unless you start saying, hey, if you don't take these pills, your leg's going to fall off. That's the fear stuff that happens in a lot of the self-help and, and uh, health websites where they are promoting non-approved FD. You know, that's, that's who really gets in trouble. Yeah, the last thing you said, I forgot what it was, but it was, you know, when I was doing the top of the head. That seemed mm -hmm. to really break it open. It's like I, Good. it's like I could trust myself to not be interested in provocation for provocation's yes. sake. Good. <laughs> so it's something that Good. it came back to me, something that was under my direct control. Good. Rather than feeling powerless. Right, and I feel the, I can feel the, the. Um, the initial complaint, the initial issue, the the solar plexus kind of uh, tension and burning, uh, I can feel that has that that dissolve that began to dissolve right after we yes. said that last statement as I was tapping on the top of my head. Nice. Nice. Now, just remember that it may not have been the specific statement. It could have been the entire three rounds we've done. And it all is coming together. This is where the recipe is kind of interesting. We're not sure if it's one statement, all 10 statements, which tapping point. You really can't track that. So it's more looking at, wholly looking at this healing process. No, I just think that, was, went, the, right? that was sort of the last 
Yes. Um, you know, if you're cracking open a safe, that was the last yes. number. <laughs> Click. No. Oh, can I ask you? Yep. Can I ask you a question before we go further? Please. So, you know, I'm in touch enough with my inner process that I was able to give you really specific feedback the time before that led to this last round. What happens in a case when you're dealing with someone that isn't as aware of their inner process and isn't able to give you that kind of specific feedback? Well, remember, I'm talking to them and getting a sense of what they are comfortable with. Can you feel it in your body? Can you feel it? Do you know in your heart of hearts that that's a 10, an 8, a 6, or a 4? So I'm tracking them with their models of how their body and mind feel around a topic. <clears throat> so they can give me pretty good information, even if they're not as aware internally of what goes on. Because I'll say, now think of the success you were thinking about that made you so afraid. Go there again. How does it feel? And they're like, oh, I'm excited. There's not a problem, but they, it's just articulating it in a different way. So it's very important for the practitioner to really be in tune, in, in alignment with a person. What works for Some people, David, cannot get to their body. Right. They're like, ah. I don't feel it. Uh, my stomach, nothing. Solar plexus, nothing. But their mind, not intellectually, but really they, they feel it and think about it in ways they know when they're stressed out. Other people, if you are too intellectually, um, let's say driven in a way, you actually won't feel the difference because you're not in it. You know, you're not in it to change it. So you won't feel a difference of a 10 to an eight to a six to a four. So then I say to people, if, especially if I'm looking at them or Skyping, I can say to them, it feels like and looks like you're in your head. Can you come down a little bit? Okay. Come down a little bit. And that's really helpful. Come down a little bit. So in getting back to my situation, given, yes. you know, that I had a obvious breaking open there, would we, would you just stop at that point or would you do something beyond this point? Um, I usually, so I check in with you, how are you doing about the visibility issue? You know, what's next? How are you doing? What if you totally embrace the shining and the visibility? How does that feel? And we look for a little wobble. We look for a little bit, a little tiny yes, but, and if there's anything left, we go for that. So, so that feels really good. good. That feels really good. Um, one thing that I really loved about what you did with me was that, um, you know, there was like a part of my mind that was just being the client. And then there was this other part of my mind that was tracking, you know, as a, as a fellow health professional. Mm -hmm. And one of the sure. things I really like about what you did there is how you're constantly testing uh, and how you're welcoming. All you want to know is the, 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 the experiential truth of that person. You know, there's so many people that are afraid to test because of what they're going to find. And I loved your, your attitude or where you're coming from, where, where, where whatever information you get, as long as it's sincere information is a contribution to you and a contribution to the process. And I think besides that helping the process, I think there's a meta learning for the client because you're modeling for the client that, Hey, whatever is real for you in your experience, it's okay. Yes. Yeah. Very, very important. I remember one time about 10 years ago, someone said, 
they were asking questions at a workshop about becoming a better practitioner. And I said, I lost the, I don't care if I'm right or wrong. They said, what do you mean? I said, I don't care. It has nothing to do with me. Every single answer the client gives is correct. And so they could then see, oh, you're not really, you're not invested. I'm not invested in the numbers going down. Sometimes the numbers go up, right? And it's just information. But when I, when I got that after enough practice and enough, of course, continued work on myself, when practitioners get to that place, then they have more space and expansion to allow the client to be exactly where they are. Yeah, and, and I, it isn't. I've, it can't be right or wrong, right? And I think that's the spiritual component of yeah. of your work is you mm-hmm. you you teach that by being that, and that's you know, I mean, at some level, it's beyond what can be taught, but you you model it, and it it's present for people like like as a new possibility. And I I I, I just wanted to salute you for that, and also point that out. Uh, to the thank to you. the listener as well. Um, thank thank you for get thank you for getting it and for getting me. Yeah, you're <laughs> welcome. I've always felt like I've really gotten you from the very beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to take you back. Well, first of all, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I want to take you back to a statement you made early in the interview, where you said, you know, you you dabble in other things, but you always come back to EFT because it works the best for you. Now that the I had a question then, but I wanted to hold it because I thought after the listener had a direct experience of an EFT clearing cycle, it might be more powerful, is what is it about EFT, you think, that keeps bringing you back that makes it so effective? What are the critical elements or the or the synergy or the secret sauce about MFT, about EFT that you think makes it the superior tool for you? I think I started years ago as a left brainer. So I still like the physical tapping. So I tap on myself while clients are tapping on themselves. For instance, there are a lot of techniques where you just close your eyes and someone does a quote activation that doesn't work for me. I need to be involved. I like to see it. I like the physicality. I have had my own experiences with acupuncture that were kind of wow. So I got on board with Chinese medicine a long time ago where I thought, what is going on? That helped me with uh, medical issues. I said, what is going on here? So I really enjoy thinking about and visualizing the meridian system, those highways in our body. And I can imagine the tapping really doing, you know, I can imagine it doing something, not just tapping mindlessly and then, oh, how are you doing? I, I, it's almost like I see it and feel it. And then I've had such amazing experiences myself with emotional healing with the tapping that I think that's, of course, the clincher when whatever works for you really well will always help you. The first thing I worked, I accidentally worked on when I was first starting out was insomnia. And I didn't work on, even though I have insomnia, what I was working on is all my clients' anxiety because I was a hypnotist back then and they came in with anxiety disorders, uh, anxiety about eating and smoking. So that's what I was working on. I was shifting from hypnosis to tapping and I was working on everybody's anxiety, which of course meant I was tapping on my own anxiety. And so as I was doing that, you know, later I said, wow, that's weird. I think I fell asleep last night. So 
basically I've been sleeping well for years and years thanks to tapping because I worked on anxiety. My insomnia was anxiety driven. So I've had such wow experiences myself and with my clients that of course I keep, that's the other reason I keep up with it. Okay. Uh, what's the current status of the uh, EFT community? I know that Gary Craig kind of let go of a lot of it uh, a few years ago. And uh, what's your sense of, of the health of the EFT practitioner community right now? And where do you see things going? And also another question I have, you can take this in any order, is what's been your experience about the the power and the possibility of doing, of leading group tappings. So the community has been split, I would say, but that hasn't made it unhealthy. So Gary uh, retired and gave over EFT, and now he's taken his version back, made some changes. He's got a new, you know, his new. He's he's back doing a huge community. There are other uh, splinter communities. And what's healthy is that everybody's adding to it. What wasn't healthy was when it was starting to get rigid, there's only one way to do it. So I like the health of different, not splinter, that's not the right word, different communities of tapping. So my community of tapping, you know, we're very open. I have a coaching program. I teach people how to do it. And I, I add lots of different things. And so there's the more formal follow the process to get certified. And then there's some informal ways. The point is everybody's adding new stuff and new ideas, and that's what keeps the technique healthy. Okay. And so I, I, you know, in the beginning it was, you know, unsettling, you know, what's happening, and now it's like, oh, I think it's great. There's a lot going on. And then with regard oh, to- Did I lose you? Then with regard to the second question about what's your experience about the possibility and the power of- leading group tappings i love leading group tapping because so many people get wow experiences and get healing because somebody else has has voiced their concern in a new way somebody else they haven't they're not so alone anymore somebody else in the group has said this is my issue and the other three people 10 people 20 people say oh my gosh that's my issue how did you know and there's just a lot of energy in group healing. I love doing group healing. It is important to know who's in the group, right? It is important sure. to know who, who the players are, but I love doing group healing. I think it's, it's, it's very, very helpful to people. Great. Well, Carol, as we move toward, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, as we move toward wrapping up the interview, I want to make sure that you have a chance to give out any contact information and announce any opportunities for participation and also give you the last word in terms of anything that you'd like to say to our listeners in closing. Great. Well, to get a hold of me, www.carollook.com, and there you'll see the coaching program opportunities as well as my live workshops that are coming up. So let's do, I'll keep that simple. And then as far as the last word, what I would say is if you are new to EFT, please try it. It is a game changer for fears, feelings, guilt, hurt, betrayal, uh, trauma. It is just an incredible tool 
that I would not want anyone to say, oh, that's too weird. I wouldn't want anyone to skip it because it seems, it does seem weird. But hey, I'm, I come from a very conservative background as a psychotherapist and I was able to stick with EFT. So I just hope nobody gives up fear of failure, fear of success, concerns about where you are professionally or personally, you know, leftover resentment, guilt, hurt. All of those are wonderful targets for using the tapping method to clean out your electrical energetic system so you can really live a life of joy. That's what I help people with. Let's, let's get to uh, some joy, some more joy instead of all this trouble that we've had and all these fears and old feelings. So I'm still incredibly enthusiastic about it and, and love, love the technique. But go to, a pre- go to a very skilled practitioner, please. Carol, do you still take individual clients? No, only through very high-end year-long programs. Okay, so if someone wanted recommendations from you for practitioners that you feel really good about, how would that that happen? They could write me at carol at carollook.com and just say, this is my issue, and I would send them to someone that I've trained highly, highly. Hey, that's great. Uh, Carol, I'm... You know, grateful on two accounts. I'm grateful I'm wearing my podcaster hat, and I'm so (laughs) grateful that so many people will have an opportunity to get a taste of you and of EFT and of your work and to follow up if they're interested. And just, you know, person to person, soul to soul, thank you so much for helping me to heal something that I think is very ancient. And uh, it's no accident that (laughs) We're doing this right now, and I'm really grateful, and uh, I know my whole family will be grateful as well. So thank you so much. That is great to hear, and it was a pleasure talking with you, David. I know we've we've known each other over the years, but it was wonderful to get to know you better, and thank you for letting me work on you. It was a lot of fun, and I know it helped other people listening, that's for sure. That's great. So, Carol, thanks so much, and just letting the listeners know that you've been listening to a conversation between Dr. David, the cutting edge doc and Carol look EFT master. And until next time, we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Dr. David here again. Wasn't that an amazing conversation with Carol look? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Just a comment about today's show. We had a glitch with Skype in that recording, so there were a few moments there where my voice or her voice went in and out, but I thought the conversation was so valuable, and I didn't want to do it again because I thought there were so many magical moments there, so I just let it go. So please forgive the Skype challenges. It it happens from time to time. Once again, this is Dr. David. Just want to thank you. For listening, for your support of my work and the show, Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. And until next time, this is Dr. David, and we'll close with love and peace. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to cuttingedgedoc.com. That's cuttingedgedoc.com. 
Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.